welcome to the Recover You podcast with Kyleen and Patrick Terhune. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. All right, episode three. I think I'm excited about this episode. Mm-hmm. I. You should be excited about this because Very you're, excited. you're an expert in this topic. Expert. All right. So we went through discovery. We went through disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, now we mentioned that within the first week you got plugged into a support group. Right. Let's talk about the support group because it has played an instrumental role in your recovery. And now you are very, very um, ingrained and involved in offering it and supporting other men through it. And um, so why don't we just talk about what it is? And, and okay. specifically, I want to talk about that first day that you went. So yeah. introduce it and then make, make yeah. sure you go to like the first time you went. Because that was a big deal. Absolutely. So um, the group that I, that I got into, uh, the group itself is called the Conquer Series. And so it's a biblically based um, program, but it also has a lot of therapeutic components to it. It was created by a pastor out in Washington. His name is Ted Roberts. And he's also a certified sexual addiction therapist. So his background is he was a Marine Corps fighter pilot in Vietnam. And uh, as he says, he was a rageaholic, an alcoholic, and a sexaholic. And, and so he had to basically fix his life. And so he went through this process, and it took him three and a half years um, to, to you know, break free of sexual bondage. And then he studied under Patrick Carnes, who is another uh, very famous certified sexual addiction therapist. And um, he's sort of the pioneer, right? Yeah, like the right. research yep. part of it. Yep, yep. And the process that you need and mm-hmm. what, what healing looks like and all of those things. And so what he did was Ted felt called and uh, created this online program that is exportable to churches and it comes with study guides and uh, journals and, and it's just a fantastic program. So it's 10 lessons and the lessons, um, you, the, the lessons start out with a check-in where all the men check in to say how they've done. And there's some specific questions like, did you have a double bind? And I can talk about that. But essentially that means a hard choice. Between um, a rock and a hard yeah, place. Yeah, between a rock and a hard place. And either choice might have some hard hard things to deal with. Have you lied to anybody? Because the nature of addiction, there's a lot of lying and deceit and, and deception. Um, you know, what uh, uh, you're asked to become more intentional. So how did you do on that and, you know, during the week? And just, you know, where are you at on what they call the faster scale, which is a, a scale that kind of checks in with with how you're doing emotionally. And so the notion of relapse is, you know, you don't just all of a sudden wake up one morning and relapse. It's a process. You get hurt. You get anxiety. You try to outrun the anxiety. And then you get mad because nobody sees how hard you're working to outrun the anxiety. And so that's what the faster scale is. So you're checking in with that. And so what the lessons do is they walk you through um, why you're in the addiction and, and what the science is behind it, what it means in your brain. They show brain scans of, of what sex addicts' brains look like. And they're very similar, if not worse, than cocaine addicts. And, and so there's a, there's a real science um, impact to it. And then they cr- give you tools and give you um, uh, definitive things that you can do to start to find healing and to start to pull yourself out of it, to understand this process. And then more importantly, it connects you with other men who are struggling with the same thing. So it's nice to have a wingman. And um, and it gives you kind of 
processes where you can check in with those men. You can, you can learn uh, verses out of scripture that counter the lies that you've told yourself. You know, the, in essence, the whole nature of being a sex addict is it's not really about sex. It's how you've chosen to medicate the wounds in your life. And so when you, and the wounds in your life, and this is true of any tra trauma, is it gives you a lie. You know, you're not worthy. You're not, um, uh, you're not, you're not worthy of love or you'll never be perfect or, you know what I mean? All these different things. So you use scripture to kind of counter that and it changes your belief in, in who you are, which ultimately is what leads to, to transformation. Mm -hmm. and healing so you know I showed up and it was either lesson three or lesson four sometimes I forget was it four yeah and I remember sitting there and it was just two gentlemen and uh, one guy has become kind of my mentor in this process and uh, and coming out of there and watching the video and going well of course like now it makes sense and being so emotional and wanting to do everything I could that they outlined to do and I would go every week but I remember Kyleen dropped me off. She waited for me in the parking lot because I guess she was unsure whether I would go running into the woods or something like that to get away or something. I'm not sure, but... No, no, no. It wasn't... <sighs> Patrick. Maybe I only ran into the woods once. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, through, through this process of learning about addiction and, you know, everything, there was a lot of, um, you have to confirm where you are and what you're doing right, because right. there was so much in our history that you had lied about at that mm -hmm. point. And so when you said, and with recovery, again, this is, this is information that is, um, dependent or our, my decision-making is highly dependent on, are you going to see it through? Right, right. So when, when you said, yes, I'll go, I was like, okay, well I will take you and make Let's sure that you goes. go. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and so I took you, I dropped you off. I waited for you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and there was a lot of that actually the first several months of recovery yeah. where you would go to therapy and send me a picture. Right. Right. You yeah. were confirming that you were doing what you were doing. Yeah. And so yeah. I, but I remember coming out and just feeling so good and being like, finally, I can do something. You know, like I, I had become a maintenance test pilot in the army. I used to be a black car pilot. And you have a process and that process is very comforting, even though the process itself is hard. But the process gives you comfort. And so it I, and I think I'm very much a process guy. And so um knowing that there was a process where I could fix myself and not be the person that I was, was really empowering. And so, you know, since that time, I have um, been able to work with my mentor and Kyleen, and we have it now in two other churches. And so I just run, I run a group on Monday night and I, you know, I conquer group and I run a group on Tuesday night and we just, we go 10 lessons and then we start again and then we start again and then we start again mm -hmm. and guys can come and they can show up. And it's really neat because now sitting on this side as the leader of it, you could see the transformative effect of conquer, which I'm sure my mentor saw in me, but you see men come in, they're desperate, they're at their wits end, they start to engage. And, and, and what's really interesting about the process is some people aren't as good at, at, at following through and doing all the things, but you still see transformation in them. And in a relatively short period of time, four weeks, five weeks, all of a sudden they're really starting to show some growth. And a lot of guys go through conquer multiple times because it takes so long to heal from this mm -hmm. and you learn more. And I will say the level of learning has, has blown up since I started leading the group and asking the questions and, and, and things like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a phenomenal program. Um, that I think every church should have.
Every single trip should have it. So I think you went, I think you did four rounds before you did the graduate program, which is called Seven Pillars. Seven Pillars, right. And so I think it's important that we mention this is Pure Desire Ministries is what puts this out. So you Mm -hmm. can go to puredesire.org or Soul Refiner Ministries. Yeah, it's soulrefiner.org. Soulrefiner.org or puredesire.org. And Pure Desire has their own podcast that is absolutely excellent. I started listening to it when I wanted to learn more about the addiction, but over the past two years, they have brought a lot more in about sexual betrayal trauma as well. Um, but all of their episodes are, are just phenomenal. Um, very, very rarely will, will there be something that is said in one of their podcasts where I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's like so spot on yeah, all the time. Yeah, they're so good. Yeah. Um, but they're the ones that put out the Conquer group and the follow-up, which is Seven Pillars. So Conquer is 10 weeks. You go, you go through it several times, which there, it, there's benefit to that because there's there's videos that are with each lesson that hit different topics. Mm-hmm. And he would say every time he goes through it, he gets something new out of it. And gosh, you've probably been through those videos like 20 times now. Yeah, like, probably. When you think about yep. all the groups that you've yep. done and do it over and over and over in right. two years. and yeah. So you're doing those Mondays and Tuesdays, and then you're still in your own support group on the weekend which is the seven pillars, which is a full year. Yeah, and, and we've actually finished seven Wrap pillars. We're, we're finished. But it's a it's a lot of the same topic, but it's much slower and it's deeper discussions and, and deeper deeper work. But what we've decided to do is me and those other two men is we stay in touch and we actually are working through some additional content. So we're working through a book called Help Her Heal and it's how you how you help your, your spouse after you've betrayed her. How do you help her heal? Teaches empathy, communication techniques. And so we just continue to meet and I think that's our plan. We'll just continue to meet until we die. Um, or Fairhaven kicks us out, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. you know, but that's just, that's just the process for us. So we're, we're excited about that. So where do you think support groups fit in in relation to trauma therapy, CSAT therapy? Um, I think you you have to have it, and I think this has been, a, been proven through 12-step and things like that, but you have to have other men or other people in your life who have been through this that can demonstrate the empathy that you can reach out to. Um, I don't know much about SA or any of those. I, I can't speak to that. And I think it depends on the nature of, of maybe the group, the individual group at the time. But I think if you, what, what Conquer does is it, it creates the structure for additional support from other men who have been through the situation. You, it forces you to share. In, in a in a in an organized format, and you answer the questions each time, and you go through the work, and so I think it's I think can you heal if you just go through therapy? Of course. Can you heal if you just go through conquer? Of course. Can you heal not going through those things? I I'm sure you can, but you won't live as as you won't really reap the benefits of a full recovery and the joy of connecting with other men and maybe the call to kind of help other men if you don't do both the group and in my recommendation, Conquer is number one and get therapy. So um, the, they say that the opposite of addiction is community, mm-hmm. which I think is where the groups come in really well is everything right. that you're talking about, the support, the accountability, the encouragement, the reaching out, mm-hmm. sponsors, mentors, that sort of thing. Right. And then... Therapy does really well getting to that root, which I, I think Conquer may, I don't know about other groups, but Conquer does a good job of um, bringing that awareness of it getting does. to the root. Yeah. But do you think you could really get to the same level of addressing that 
in a group versus um, the exercises and the things that they do in therapy that are designed to yeah, do that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're certainly not doing brain spotting. We're not doing EMDR. Right. We're not doing those kinds of things. And and sometimes based on the nature of, of the group, you don't have a lot of time, right? So you have eight people in there who are sharing versus in therapy, you have an hour or an hour and a half or, yeah. or you know, whatever. So, no, I don't think you could have the same specific level of, of healing. I think you have to process traumas. The one thing I, I, I often I often am curious about is um, if you were to go through Conquer, let's say, 20 times, and each time you went through, you went back and looked at your 10 hardest moments or your 10 worst moments and really, you know, really did the deep work on the lies and really did the scriptural piece and shared it. And it, like, could it have the same effect but I think you'd have to, I, I think what a therapist does, and I always, I, I, I will always use this, this analogy when I talk to other people about going to therapy. You can certainly find your way down the Mississippi River, you know, because it flows one way, but you won't, you know, you, you, you won't navigate, you'll run into shoals, you'll run into things, you know, and stuff like that. If you have a therapist or somebody that's guiding that boat, you're going to be, you're going to have a much better experience. You're going to get there faster and safer and all of those things. So I think, I think that's what therapy can do for you. You um, you mentioned SA, and I wanted to ask you about this. So SA still does sort of what AA does. It's like, hey, I'm a sex addict. And I don't really like that aspect mm-hmm. because of the identity. So how you speak right. to your subconscious is super important. Yep. What you what you speak um, you know, ends up what you believe, basically, or what you believe you speak and vice versa. And so it's really important when you are thinking about recovery and who you want to be and choosing your identity in life that you're not constantly telling your subconscious that you are something that you don't want to be. Right. You want to be telling your subconscious, I'm not that actually. Mm-hmm. I am not an addict. So where do you think Conquer Falls in terms of supporting that ideology of like, Actual freedom, oh, not yeah, identity. Yeah. Well, within. And, and you know the the the, the name conquer comes from you know, the verse where we are more than conquerors, and and so what it's really trying to do is say, hey, you don't need to walk through life struggling anymore. You can actually develop a, a sense of, of healing and freedom, and you can walk through life and make good choices. And, and I've often thought about that as I've gone through coming up on two years. And, and I often think about this because Ted Roberts, it took him three and a half years. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not really off the hook until I hit three and a half years, you know, cause he's kind of the guy. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think true healing from all of this is you can navigate through life. You can feel the deep emotions that you feel. You don't have to use, you know, the objectification of someone's body to medicate your wounds. And, and that's the real healing. You treat people the same. You, treat people well, you do all of those things. And I think that's what the healing brings you. And that's what I've seen people get. They, it's, it's, you very quickly get over the sexual behavior. I mean, you very quickly get over. It's the deep, deep healing inter, interfacing with your relatives and your, and your peers and all of that stuff. And that's why it takes the length of time that it does because you have to understand, hey, I'm hurt right now. Is it time for me to be assertive? Is it time for me to listen? You're saying it's the it's the beginning to identify the emotions that lead into the behavior that takes more time, right? Because you're not learning you're not just learning how to identify them; you're learning what to do with them, right? So um, that's a perfect segue into what you already brought up, and I wanted to bring up again, which is the faster scale. Mm-hmm. And this is a tool that Conquer encourages you to use, where every day you're checking in and you're saying, "What emotion am I feeling today?" Right. You check it off and it has a scale. And if you're low on that scale, 
that is a signal to you to reach out to your group or your sponsor or your friend or whoever your accountability partner right. is, etc. Because the faster scale has been proven to essentially predict relapse up to two weeks in advance. Because, and you've mentioned this, people will say, well, um, you know, I got stressed and it just all went downhill and then I relapsed. And it's like, well, no, that actually doesn't happen that fast. No, no. Yeah. And, and just so everybody knows, and, and I don't know, you want me to talk about what the, the acronym stands for. So, you know, the faster scale is basically it's a, it's a descending scale. And at the top is recovery. And in recovery, you have no, you, you're open and honest and you're keeping commitments and you have no secrets and things like that. The next one down is forgetting priorities. And think about it. If you're, if you're, if you're wounded or something or something happened, you maybe aren't as deliberate as you were. You, you give up journaling. You don't do journaling. Or whatever, but usually that's a hallmark of that is there's some anxiety in there, there's worry, maybe some excess. Getting busy, did you say that? No, that that comes up in speeding up. So um that's maybe a little bit more profanity than than you normally do. It's kind of a stress coping thing. And then um and then you say, Well, geez, I haven't let's say journaling is the thing that, that keeps you safe. You say, Well, I haven't journaled in a while. So then you go to um Forgetting priorities, it is anxiety. Anxiety is, is that one. So there's a lot of worry in there. Forgetting priorities is just like you stop doing the things that you were, you were going to do. So you get anxiety, you get worried about it. Then you say, okay, I need to catch up. So I'm going to do a whole bunch of journaling. But it's not a healing thing. You're actually going to do more than you did before. Right, the S side. The, uh, right. Which stands for? Speeding up. Speeding up. So forgetting, right. anxiety, speeding up. Right. So maybe you're, you're concerned with your feelings. So you say, well, not only I'm, I'm going to try to outrun my, my anxiety. So I'm going to do two a days on the treadmill. I'm actually going to clean the house and you're not really kind of connecting to your feelings. And so like the, the classic example they give is you're doing everything around the house. Nobody recognizes that you're doing everything around the house. So then that's the T. You get ticked off. You're starting to get angry about it now. You're like, nobody recognizes how hard I'm working. And then all of that all of that work and effort and emotional expenditure leads you into E, which is exhausted. And at that point, you're almost where you're gonna you know, you're gonna do something, which is the R of relapse. But exhausted means you've lost, mm-hmm. you know, you're not in control, you're not engaging in self-care. Mm-hmm. You're extremely depressed, you're panicked, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, and then you relapse. You do that. But to be clear, if you're low on the scale one day, that's not like, oh, you're you're relapsing today. No, no. It's like if you're low on the scale for a significant period of time and you're right. not getting support and help. Absolutely, yeah. And and they say you have to send down it. You don't you know, you don't want to like go from exhausted back up to um, what's up uh, speeding up, right? You don't want to go up. You want to get off of it. And, you know, that's that's the whole notion, and it teaches you how to... And the way they, they say you get off of it is you always address the double bind that's happening in your life. And so, and double bind is a little bit of, of a complicated concept, but you address the, the problems that are there. Maybe you need to, you know, sometimes it's like maybe you need to go talk to your wife. Maybe something has happened. Maybe there's a financial issue that you need to address. Maybe you're, it's coming time for you to go spend time with your family at Christmas, and that's always been a disaster, you got to address those things. And then that's what gets you back up into recovery. So you're using it as a tool to essentially prevent relapse by not just identifying, which I think that in itself is huge for a lot of addicts Mm -hmm. because they're just really not familiar with 
You don't know where you're not only are. identifying them, but feeling them enough to identify them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like step one. Like that's a big that's a big part of that as the recovery tool right. is getting like used to saying, "Oh, this is anxiety," Correct. or "Oh, this is my pattern of speeding up," and like I'm not going to sit with my emotions long enough, and because that's mm-hmm. uncomfortable, I'm going to go over here and do this and make sure every moment of every day is full and busy. Yeah. Like that's a trauma response. That's a coping mechanism. Right. So the scale itself is is like helping you identify those patterns and actually like recognize what they are Mm -hmm. and then the whole the whole point of it is to then give you a trigger right that says okay I'm on this I need to reach out so that I don't stay on it because I want to actually prevent feeling this way for seven eight nine ten days in a row and then on day 14 I've relapsed and you know that right like what you're saying is it, it actually typically does not come out of nowhere it's it's descending and staying in a place where you're not getting the support that you need and you're not actually processing an emotion that has been around for a period of time Mm -hmm. unidentified and unaddressed and you know i mentioned the two a days on a treadmill so and this is where the faster scale has helped me so i love running I'm 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 a big runner and I've been more injured recently than not, but um, I love running. And there have been times I've done in the past two years, I have done two a days on the treadmill. And so what this scale has though done for me though, is I recognize that and I say, hey, am I doing this for the right reason? You know, kind of the classic bachelor thing, isn't that? You know, are you here for, are you the, here for the right are reasons? Are you here for the right reasons? <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm like, am I doing this? Am I just enjoying running right now and I feel really good? Or am I out running something? Is it, you know, Kylie's out of town and I feel lonely. And so I'm turning that into doing too much running. Like, I, I think through those things. I would have never thought through anything like that before. So I think through that, and if I feel if I can connect it to a couple other emotions by looking at the faster scale, then I'll pick up the phone and I'll I'll talk to somebody. In one of the other episodes, we talked about um, some things that have shifted since recovery and like your, just you being more present. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that really shifted was self-awareness and communication about Mm -hmm. your self-awareness. Right. So... Oh my gosh, never in a million years. I think the first nine and a half years that we were together, did you ever come to me and say, I have anxiety today? I don't know if I ever heard that until you were in recovery. Right, right. And then being able to identify where it's coming from and actually being willing to come to me with the uncomfortable emotions and talk about them. Yep, yep. As opposed to, I think for the first nine and a half years, it was, well, let me protect her from those emotions. Right, right. Well, and what's interesting in that, I was talking with group, it's a group this morning about that is, we as men um, sometimes feel like we are we are protecting people by not sharing our emotions, and that's it. It's just not true. The people in our lives and the people who love us, if they truly love us, and you know, sometimes people are in relationships where they're not loved, and you know, that's that's a different topic. But in relationships where you're where you're truly loved, allowing people to come in and help you. Um, and allowing people to say, Hey, I've got your back and you can cry tonight, or you can, you can just say, Hey, I'm not feeling well. And I don't know what it is. Um, that is something we need to work on as men and we're horrible at it and we suck. And, and I'm, I'm only speaking for a man cause I am one. Maybe women suck at it too. I don't know. But you know, I think as human beings, we owe it to ourselves to, to be better about saying, Hey, I, and I, and I think there is more of a drive now to, to offer that kind of help and say, Hey, it's okay. It's, but, it's more openly spoken about. Yeah. Yeah. But the, you know, this is a very much a secret thing. You know, sexual addiction is a secret thing. And um, in most cases, 
you're, you're not involving anybody else. And, and so it, it feeds itself and, and the nature of it just feeds itself. But, you know, the, the, and I've said this a couple of times, the very thing I needed, which was for people to know my secret to help me heal and make sure that I can finish well in my life was the thing I was so afraid of doing. And for multiple reasons, people couldn't handle it. It would ruin this marriage. Um, people would be so ashamed. My mom would, you know, be so disappointed. You know what I mean? Like you just throw the reasons out there. And so, uh, but you know, and that's the thing I, you know, I had a conversation with my son this week about that. Like, don't be afraid to reach out to people and tell them how you feel and, and say, hey, I, I don't know if you can help me, but can I just talk to you? You know, that's huge. It's yeah. Huge. Okay, last thing on this topic, because um, you, you mentioned at the beginning, and you can talk about how Conqueror specifically brings this in, um, but the idea that it's not about sex. Yeah, so um, I hope I can answer this question the, the, the way you asked it. So um, healing in a lot of cases is the deliberate and intentional reduction of shame, reduction and elimination of shame. So if you think this is a, if, if, so one of the things is if the reason they try to disconnect the sex piece away fairly quickly is they, is if you constantly think it's just about sex, you're going to retain that shame and it's going to prevent healing. So if you can very quickly get the sex piece out um, and say, now it's about healing from wounds. And so, you know, people medicate their wounds in many, many different ways. There's you know, prescription drug addictions, there's illicit drug addictions, there's sex addictions, there's alcohol addictions, there's workout addictions, there's food addictions. I mean, there's, there's workaholics, you know what I mean? And, and all of these things in, in, in a lot of ways can have the same effect. Now, one of the crazy things about sex addiction is you carry the chemicals in you that can make it's a you process addiction as right. opposed to a substance addiction exactly, exactly. yeah so it's a little bit harder to break from because you've got to really change some some habits but it, what's interesting is is and this is a, a challenge for the married men who are going through this is very quickly they'll understand that it wasn't about sex it was about the way they were wounded and how they were coping with that yet they still have to address with their wives the sexual piece and, and some, I see it sometimes. And I remember maybe being a little, you know, moderately frustrated. Like, why are we talking about this again? You know what I mean? And because it's not about sex, you know, and stuff like that. But it, because of the nature of what it was, it carries a lot of hurt, you know, with that, that you have to continue to be present with your spouse on. Yeah. Well, every woman's going to think that it's about sex. Right. Right. And as soon as we learned, we were just talking about this in support group yesterday that, um, uh, we understand logically that it's not about that, but with the betrayal, it feels like that. It feels like it's we like were yeah. physically rejected. It feels right. like, you know, it was about not being good enough, that it, that it's about comparison, that mm -hmm. you saw something. You didn't go to alcohol. You went to a sex addiction. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. on our end, we logically know that, but on a physical body, energetic, emotional level, it that is a, feel that it's way. a very hard thing to accept that that's true. I, I remember thinking when this all came out and I started recovery, I was like, man, I wish I had just been an alcoholic <laughs> or I wish I had just been a cocaine addict. And I don't wish that. And no. those are, you know, those, those addictions are tough to heal from yeah. and they're devastating to families and, and health and all of those things and stuff like that. I guess that's the one thing is it, you know, this didn't necessarily, well, no, I guess it did impact my health you know, from a, from a blood pressure standpoint, but, um, but yeah, I, I think it's, 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 
as you would as you seek over time to identify, reduce, and eliminate shame in your life, if you keep staying t- tied in with it was a sexual problem, I think it's going to make that much much harder. And as soon as you can address that shame, then really the world opens and you can start to heal. And and you don't identify. You know, as you were talking about, I'm a sex addict. You know, I I was a sex addict, and and I you know that's not who I am anymore. And so I've put that in the past, not from a sense that I've put a lid on it, closed it. You're still doing the recovery behaviors. Yeah. 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 But that's not who I am. We're still talking about it. You're still engaging. Yeah. 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 But But in terms of your identity, that is not who you are. Right. I don't look at anything inappropriate. I don't seek out anything inappropriate. It's not that I can't. I don't. And and you had mentioned that one day. And that's very powerful. I don't do those things. There's a difference between the terminology of I can't do something because then it's like, um, this is being put upon me. Like I'm not allowed knuckling. to do this yeah, right. versus I, I don't do that because I'm choosing not to. I don't do that because that's not who I am anymore. Right. I don't engage in this behavior because I'm not that person. So that actually is very empowering. And we talk a lot about the terminology that we use and the, uh, the way that we look at recovery needs to be done in a more empowering way because I think a lot, unfortunately, of recovery materials and discussions are disempowering and how an addict talks to their subconscious and what they believe is possible, I am convinced will dramatically impact their success in recovery, the duration of time that it takes, and if there is a significant amount of relapse or not. I remember thinking this, because you were still learning, I was still learning about addiction. So this all came out in the beginning of February. You traveled for the first time away from the house in October. Mm-hmm. Right, so it was, it was a series of months. It was more than six months, and uh, had a good plan in place while you were gone, and all of these different things. And but I remember thinking, like, well, will I relapse? Like, like I, I this is uncharted territory right. for me. You know, like, is this going to happen? And I didn't. And there was some tough times between you and I, and I just processed my emotion through. It. That's all I did. That was a, was a big yeah. first step in terms yeah. of like recognizing that your recovery was real mm-hmm. that we were apart that it was a challenge that it was stressful and that you didn't do anything right yeah right. yeah so i mean that was very empowering at the end because you're like oh okay that's how this goes you yeah. know what i mean so so anything else you want to say about conquer specifically if you're a pastor and you're thinking well i don't know maybe i should check it out go check it out yeah if you're thinking well i don't know if it fits in in my church it does <laughs> Um, and so like, it's just, there are so many men that are because of the, the prevalent nature of this and and there's so much denial and there's so many people that say, well, maybe that's just a religious problem. It's not, it's, it hurts. You know, there's, there's a lot of secular studies that talk about the, the harmful impacts of pornography and, and you know, how, how it kills relationships and kills your, a lot of people are just having a lot of issues in their relationships, whether they're Christians or not from the use of pornography. I've, I've heard it's the, is it the second or the first? It's the second reason why um, divorces happen well, I think in it's America. The first. It might be the first, mm-hmm. yeah. So It's like the primary driver for divorce. Yeah, so it's like, it's, it's like really, you know, take it seriously. Don't think you're not having a problem in the church. If you've got any sort of concern about it, start talking to somebody about it. And uh, it's worth your life. It's worth your relationships. It's worth your relationships with your with your family and friends and spouse and mom and dad to, to get healing. And, and Conquer, in my opinion, is, is one of the best resources for it. Okay. That's all I got. 
thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, it would mean so much if you leave a five-star review or post a screenshot and share on social media. We are on a mission to share the message of recovery and you can help get the word out. If you know a friend who could use this podcast, please share it.